0: All right, well, good morning, Timberline Church. Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Josh. I'm on the teaching team here today and excited just to be able to continue our series. We've been talking about having a healthy mind and this prayer within it of God help us, right? And so we've been talking about some really, really important topics that I think many of us deal with, you know, throughout our lives for sure and even some on a daily basis. And um, what's been so powerful of talking about this idea of a healthy mind is, is learning how to win the battle in our minds... And doing it by allowing the Holy Spirit to renew us, transform us, and change us as we surrender our hearts to Him. And so as we dive into this topic this morning, I want to just lead with a prayer. And that God would just get our hearts ready and we would open up our hearts to allow Him to work within us and to change us. So let's pray today. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are, that you are alive, and that your word is living and active. And God, as we open up your scripture this morning, we pray, God, that that you would change us, that you would transform our thinking, you would renew our minds, and help us to be in step and in tune with you and in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, today um, I get the privilege to talk to you about something that probably you're dealing with maybe even this morning. And if not, maybe later today and in your life, but it's this issue of stress. And I think many of us have times where we feel stressed out and we feel that it can come in all kinds of different ways, right? It can be because you're really busy at work or you have a lot of stress or pressure and things at work or maybe something in family or you're trying to raise some little kids. And I'm in that stage, so I know what that stress is like. And um, it could maybe be if you're a student and you're dealing with tests. It could also just be because maybe you didn't plan well and you caused stress in your own life. And um, I didn't mean to do this, but I made myself a perfect example of that this week uh, because on Thursday morning, I was taking my two girls uh, to their dance class. And of course, I waited uh, until the last minute to possibly leave to get them there on time. And I turn on my car and it has one of those, uh, those gauges that tell you how much you have left in your gas tank before it's empty. And it said 12 miles. And I thought... That's not very good, you know, 12 miles. But I said, oh, you know what, maybe I'll just check and see how far I need to go. I'm going to get on Google Maps here, how far until their dance class, because I'm not going to stop, you know. And um, it said 14 miles. And so, (laughs) so, you know, so uh, I just said a few prayers. You know, I think God helps us. No, just say, God just said maybe plan better or get gas, you know, all the hundred other warnings you had, right. Um, But thankfully the maker of that car, Uh, shout out to Honda, because uh, they knew people like me would probably do that, and apparently they allow you a little bit beyond zero. So I was at about (laughs) 15 or something miles when I rolled into that 7-Eleven and got some gas, so um, we're good. So anyway, not stressed out anymore. but sometimes stress, you know, we can cause on our own. And so just want to talk about this idea and stress of, you know, I think there, there is this, it's easy for it to be something that, that can affect us in negative ways. And so and there's even some statistics. And I don't think this is anything shocking probably to any of us because we know we deal with stress. But I want to read this to you. These are statistics from the American Institute of Stress. And they say about 33% of people report feeling extreme stress. And 70% of, p- of people experience stress that affects their physical health. 73% of people have stress that impacts their mental health. So you see some very serious implications here. 48% of people have trouble sleeping because of stress, and nearly half of all U.S. adults say that this, that stress has negatively impacted their behavior. All right, and so we see that this is there's the stress can be an issue. And what I want to talk about this morning is not so much the stress, like hey. You know should have filled up your gas tank sooner but more the stress of you know how it starts to impact us and affect our daily lives and affect our attitudes and our behaviors and how we relate to people and how we might speak to people and because i think a lot of us will maybe have this tipping point and you think of it like a stress fracture right it's like this bone is dealing with so much tension and stress over time that ultimately if it's not taken care of it can it can break and there can be an actual fracture And that's stuff that can happen in our lives and our world where if we don't manage and find a good way to deal with stress and and even how God might want us to deal with stress and try to walk in that, that we could come to this place of our tipping point and breaking. And so I want to just consider that this morning of what are the healthy ways for me to deal with stress and and what does the Bible even potentially say about dealing with stress. I want to start in this verse from Psalm 94. This is verse 19. It says, when doubts filled my mind your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. It's a pretty pretty simple verse here but I think it's profound in this is because here we have this the writer of Psalm 94 is saying doubts are filling my mind. I mean that sounds pretty stressful to me, right? Being overwhelmed and overcome by doubts. And and then he says though he says but your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. And so I'd say that's that's really the goal of what we're going after this morning is All of us have different stresses in our lives. And if you're not facing it now, maybe you will tomorrow. And so it's just this idea of like, hey, God, how do I find peace? How do I find comfort? How do I approach this in the right way? And so there's two different stories that I want to look at this morning, two biblical stories. We look at this from a lens of like what does God say about this issue? And so two stressful situations. It's when we look at the story of Esther and the story of David and what they encountered. And so let me paint a picture for you. We're going to start with Esther, okay? And so Esther, she became the queen in her town. It's called Susa. And King Xerxes is the one in charge. These happen in the days of King Xerxes. And when Esther becomes queen, what's unique about her is that she's a a Jewish person. She's of Jewish descent. Both of her parents had passed away. And so she had been raised by her uncle, whose name is Mordecai. Mordecai is also a Jew, okay? And so she is placed as the queen, And didn't know all that's to come, but God definitely had there for a specific purpose. And what happens in this story is this guy by the name of Haman is elevated to become the highest official in all the land. So he's next to King Xerxes, and and Haman has an issue with pride. And so this title goes to his head. And with that, he expects all the people, when he walks through the land, he expects everybody to bow down to him and to worship him. And all the people they follow suit and they do it, except for this one guy. And that's Esther's uncle named Mordecai. Mordecai's a God-fearing man and he will not bow down to Haman. But this causes a major issue for this prideful man. And he devises this scheme and he comes before the king, King Xerxes, and he says, Hey, I don't like what Mordecai is doing. And he develops this whole plan. Where King Xerxes actually signs off on a decree to annihilate and get rid of all the Jews in the land. So not just Mordecai, but all of the Jews. And, and this, gets, this decree gets out to all the people. And the Jewish people hear about it and obviously causing <clears throat> a major amount of stress, right? And fear and anxiety and worry and what's going to happen next? And Mordecai thinks, okay, well Esther is the queen. And Esther has access to King Xerxes. Maybe she can go on our behalf, on behalf of our people, and speak to the king. And so she sends this request to Esther and says, will you come before King Xerxes and and plead for our people? And that's where we're going to pick up the story. If you would read with me, it says, Esther chapter 4, verse 10. It says, then Esther told Hathak, one of her aides, to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. So responding to this ask, and she says, all the king's officials... And even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds, holds out his gold scepter. So it's high stakes here. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. And so Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. And Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a, in a palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. And if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. And so we see Mordecai's faith and his belief in God even in the midst of this trial. But you and your relatives will die. And who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. And that is such an amazing line in scripture. And we've had Bible studies written about the book of Esther with this title of for such a time as this. And so how amazing and how encouraging that God, maybe God's placed you in this moment to be here for your people. But when I take a step back from that, I think if I'm Esther, that sounds like a lot of pressure. You're telling me I need to go before the king. And the rule is I'm not allowed to come unless he asks me to come. And if I do, I'm putting my life at risk. What if if Xerxes didn't sleep good last night? What if he's feeling sick? What if he's upset at one of his other people and I show up at the wrong time and he wants me killed? And so she's dealing with this, but, but Mordecai says, what if you are made queen for such a time as this? And, but she hadn't been called to come before the king in 30 days. 30 days. I could think maybe she's thinking he forgot about me. Maybe he doesn't care about me anymore. Maybe he's moved on. And so this is a difficult situation. And you can imagine the stress as, as Esther's contemplating, do I do this? Do I risk my life? But if I don't, this could be for all of my people are in trouble. All right, so we're going to say that story. Talk about stress there. Now I want to look at David and David and his story. All right, so I'm going to look at three chapters in 1 Samuel. And, And we see over these three chapters a lot of up and down in David's life. 1 Samuel chapter 16, he gets to be anointed as the next king. So Samuel comes, and even though David is a young boy, he is called by God to be the next king of Israel. And then after that, 1 Samuel 17 is maybe the most famous story in all of the Bible. That's when David defeats Goliath. With a sling and a stone, he takes down a giant. And we love to talk about that story. So you can see David, he has, God is on my side, God is with me. But then 1 Samuel 18, the story changes for him. Because what happens is there's a massive parade and a celebration in the land. And the people start to cheer and celebrate what God is doing. And they say this thing, and they sing this song where they say, David has killed his tens of thousands, but Saul his thousands. And and so Saul, as king, does not like that. Because he said, David works for me, you know. He's part of my military commanders. And you're saying he has more than me? And what that does is it starts this, this, this attack of jealousy and of anger of Saul towards David. And even in this we see that David was playing the harp to provide peace and try to help Saul. And he is overcome with rage and he throws a spear at David. And he tries it multiple times. David does a good dodge, like he must be pretty quick, gets away from the spear. But what ends up happening is he ends up running away because it's not safe to be around King Saul. And he ends up spending the next portion of his life with his men, hiding in caves and running away from Saul as he's trying to kill him because he does not want him to be the next king. He wants his own bloodline, his son, to be king. And what I think is really awesome is when we read the Psalms, many of the book of Psalms, many of those Psalms are written by David. And in some of those that David wrote, he explains to us where he was when he wrote that particular psalm. And Psalm 142 is one I want to read together this morning. And this psalm was written while David was in one of those caves. All right, so just imagine that. Feeling like you're running for your life and you're hiding in a cave. And this is what comes out. And just see the intensity of the words in this psalm. And I think we can definitely determine the real stress of these words. He says, I cried out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and I tell him all my troubles. And when I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, You are my place of refuge, you are really all I want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. I mean, I could just, just try to put yourself in that situation. I mean, being in a cave, and he's saying, I'm pouring out my complaints. I'm asking for help, but nobody cares. Nobody thinks about me. Nobody's around. Like, I mean, just feeling that stress. And, and I've never been in a cave being chased for my life. But I do know that being chased would be a stressful situation to be it. And it makes me think of, and maybe some of you guys have had this happen, but you ever had a dream where you're being chased? You know, I don't know why that happens to us while we're sleeping. But in the middle of this dream, if you're anything like me, if I'm having one of those bad dreams I'm being chased, I'm always really slow. You know, it's like you're stuck in mud. You got weights. It's like your people are nodding on with you. You've been there too. And, and it's stressful. You wake up and you're like, I remember wake up sweating and being like looking around like, oh thank you, Jesus, I'm just lying in my bed. Like, I'm fine. I don't know why I'm, I'm feeling chased, but I'm, I'm feeling chased. right? It's that stressful thing. And, and even like for me as, as a child, I actually had some pretty stressful nights sleeping and didn't even really know much about it. But um, I was a sleepwalker as a little kid. Like, you know, eight-year-old kid, sleptwalk all the time. And, and, um, and it was funny because I'd wake up in the mornings and I would have no idea. I just thought I had a good night's sleep. But my parents would tell me, and this was night after night after night. We lived in a two-story home. And I had my bedroom in the basement. And every night I would get out of bed, like awake but not awake, go down the hallway, up a flight of stairs, another hallway, up a flight of stairs, down a hallway, into my parents' room. And I'm still sorry to my parents today for this because it sounds like a horrible way to wake up. But I would go and they would tell me I would go and I would stand at the edge of their bed and just breathe really heavy. All right. (laughs) And so my poor parents would wake up. Oh, man, he's there again. And they would say... They would just say, "Joshua, go to bed," and I, I would just turn around and go down the stairs go ahead and go to bed. Like that was that, that was my normal nightly routine. And I don't know what the deal was if I was stressed out or what I was running from, you know. But I would wake up in the morning and I hear it, and so for the most part, it was totally harmless. You know, I just slept, walk, whatever, little kid. But the thing is, my neighborhood, I had some really good friends, and um, and so we lived across the street from my good buddy Taylor. And Taylor and I were were friends. And so one night we were hanging out kind of later into the evening. And we got the go-ahead from our parents that we could spend the night. Like I could stay the night at his house. And so I was so excited, yes, I get to stay the night at his house. I just as an 8-year-old didn't really realize that he lived across the street from me in the exact same floor plan of a house. Just turned backwards. Okay. So maybe you know where this is going. But just, just know I woke up the next morning, had a perfect, beautiful night of sleep. And I'm here at breakfast with his family in his house. And his parents come downstairs and they say, Josh, how you doing? Oh, great. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank, yeah, thanks for having me here. And they say, Well, like, you have, like was your night okay? Do you, know, do you know what happened? No, I slept in a dream. And they said, Well, last night in the middle of the night, we woke up because there was a kid in our room. And uh, and they said at first they realized they thought, oh, this has gotta be, this has gotta be Lauren, Taylor's little sister. And and so I was, like, highly offended by that. Like, what do you mean? You thought it was her? (laughs) And then they said, no, 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 the way he kind of sounds maybe like a guy, like, I think it's his younger brother, Blake. So I'm like, now now I'm even, like, a six-year-old? Like, what is it? And so then they said that they weren't sure who I was. And, I mean, I wasn't awake for this. I hope, I don't know if they're telling the truth. But they told me, they said I wasn't, they didn't know who it was, so they told me to get into the bed with them, right? And so they could comfort their child. They thought it was one of their kids, And then apparently I did that and they realized this was not their kid, this was their buddy's friend. And so what they did is then they walked me downstairs, put me back in bed, fell asleep, and I kid you not, I didn't remember any of it. Like, that's just, that's what I did. And so that was a very stressful, uh, embarrassing moment in my life. But uh, thankfully now, by God's grace, I uh, grew out of that. and Don't do the sleepwalking thing anymore. Uh, just hoping my kids don't do it to me like that. But uh, uh, what, a, what a crazy experience. And so I do apologize if any of you guys have a dream tonight where you're getting chased, just since we talked about it. If you do, I hope you wake up in time, all right? So, um, But I just think about that for David, like being chased and how stressful that would have been. And so let's look at how Esther and David, how they dealt with those situations and what they did. And so we left Esther at this place of she had to decide, am I going to go before the king or am I just going to play it safe? And this is her response when Mordecai asked her to go. Verse 15 in Esther chapter 4. He says, then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, her uncle. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. I must die. If I must die, I must die. And so Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. I mean, what an amazing response. But I mean, she's in this place of stress. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how King Xerxes is going to reply. And what I do know is this for Esther, she didn't sign up for this, right? And I think that's the reality with stress so much in our lives is it's stuff that happens to us. That maybe we can't always control it. But, but how do we react how do we respond? How does it impact our attitudes and, and the way that we live and the way that we work and how we relate to people around us? And so a couple things that I see from Esther in her response here is just this, this first thing, is to tell God about your stress. Is that her response was, I'm going to spend three days in prayer and fasting. It wasn't I'm going to go and develop this great plan. I'm going to get this huge army to fight against King Xerxes and Haman. It was I'm going to spend time in prayer and I'm going to tell God what's stressing me out. And I think that's something for us to maybe take of what, it, what is it that's causing the stress and anxiety in my life right now? And am I willing? Can I just bring it before the Lord? And just take a moment to rest, to slow down, and just to let him know. And he's not afraid of our issues or our concerns. And then the next thing she does is just this is such a strong, strong reaction. But she finds rest in the promises of God. I love that phrase that she says, if I must die, I must die. So Esther, she knew exactly what she was getting herself into. If she went before the king and he did not want her to be there, he could have not extended that scepter and she would have been kicked out and maybe even put to death. And she says, so if I must die, I'm willing to do it, but I'm putting my trust in God. I've spent this time with the Lord. I've rested in his promises. And that's, I think, is something that is important for us to get because unfortunately what happens often when we feel stressed out, when there's a lot going on in our world, is now we're just, we're so busy, we're trying to fix it, we're trying to do this. And all of a sudden, things that are healthy and good habits of dealing with stress, spending time with God, relying on Him, finding rest in Him, I think a lot of times those are the first things that go out the window. Because all of a sudden, I don't have time to be with God. All of a sudden, I don't have time to do that. But she's resting in the promises of God and finding her strength there. And so because of that, she's willing to take this risk and to really jump off a cliff, if you will, and to go before the King. And it just it reminds me of this, this thing of if you've ever been rappelling before or seen somebody do that. i got to do this one time. It's like you climb up this, this boulder, this mountain, whatever, and it's this cliff. And you're looking down and you're thinking, like, why, you know, that is, that's scary. I don't, why would I ever want to walk off a cliff, right? But rappelling, the point is you actually you get, you get a rope and a harness and you, you actually step off backwards and you go down. And it's a pretty fun experience. But, but when you're looking down, it's scary, right? And I remember doing that just being like, why would I ever go off of this? But then we had our instructor talk to us about the rope and how much weight that rope can hold. And this harness and how it's ready to do this and these carabiners and and how this rope is tied to a huge boulder. And and I just remember that of, okay, if I'm focused on just walking off a cliff, it's terrifying. But if I'm putting my confidence in the fact that I know these ropes are going to hold me and there's no way that boulder's moving, it gives me the confidence to take that step off the cliff. And I think that's a little bit of what Esther was doing was moving her focus so much on just the the struggle and the stress of the situation. And instead saying, I'm going to find rest in the fact that I believe God's put me in this place to make a difference. And if I'm going to step off this cliff and I'm going to go before the king, he's going to be there. And I think we can do the same when dealing with our struggles and like we can find that rest in the promise of God. The situation we're in may not be restful, but the fact that God is with us and won't leave us is something we can find confidence in. And as she approaches the king, he hears her request, and Esther saves all of the Jewish people because she went in that bold way. And so an amazing story. And then David, we left David in a cave, right? David being chased by Saul. And as I said before, the book of Psalms, there's so many different Psalms where he wrote them in the midst of that struggle. And Psalm 18 is one of the Psalms, it's an amazing, beautiful Psalm. But he actually wrote it, and it said, after the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. That's the context of writing this. And so I want to read a couple of scriptures from Psalm 18. And I hope as I read this, it's just, even just reading God's truth over all of us this morning, to think of, he just came through a really stressful time, and this is what he learned about God. So verse 1, Psalm 18. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield. The power that saves me in my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. How awesome is that? And I think it just brings up a question for us this morning. This is a question of what are we running to for safety and security? Like when we deal with stress and anxiety and worry, these are very real things. What am I running to? What's my mechanism for trying to get over this and get out of this? But what I see from David is something that's so incredible. That he says God is my refuge, that he is my place of safety. And I want to hold to that too. That it's not just that I have to go and look and search for for safety and things that make me feel secure, but actually God himself is my place of safety. And when I feel like I'm struggling and underwater from all that's going on in my life, that he's one I can hold on to and I can cling to because he alone is my place of safety. And so I think it's so important for us that, like we said before, instead of ditching our good habits in the midst of stress, to really find ways of, hey, what helps me in my stress? And it could be something real practical. It could be getting exercise and good sleep and spending time with good people that encourage you and build you up. But I think certainly one we don't want to ditch is saying, hey, I don't have time to be with God. And I think, unfortunately, that happens too much. I'm too busy to come to church and be in the community of believers or in a small group, or I'm too busy to pray, or I'm too busy and I don't get enough rest to get up early and be with God. But David in Psalm 18:6. He made that a priority. He says, in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary, and my cry to him reached his ears. And so David is saying, in the midst of my struggle, I'm going to him. In my distress, I'm going to God. And so we want to give you guys throughout this series some real practical ways of dealing with all of these topics. And knowing that stress can impact us in so many ways. And coming to God is a huge thing, but there's also real practical things that we can go after. And and one of those things we want to offer is the well resources. We've been talking about this, but if you go to the Timberline website, under resources, there's a thing called the well. And you can go under the different topics throughout this Healthy Mind series. So stress is on there this week. And you can find resources that will help you dive deeper into this issue. Book suggestions, different articles, podcasts, Spotify playlists, counselors or people to see. Just places that you can find resources to really help you win in this and so I encourage you to take a look at that and the last scripture from Psalm 18 I want to hit on as we close here is verse 20 and read this is how David's testimony through dealing with this stressful time of being chased he says the Lord rewarded me for doing right he restored me because of my innocence for I have kept the ways of the Lord I have not turned from my God to follow evil I have followed all his regulations. I have never abandoned his decrees. I am blameless before God. I have kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. I mean, it's just an amazing testimony to be able to say through the midst of such an intense trial. I mean, I can't imagine being chased again for my life knowing that the promise of God was I'm going to be the king. I mean, how confusing. And how easy would that have been to affect his behavior and his attitude? Because stress can easily change our attitude and our behaviors, right? I mean, when we get stressed out, it's so easy for our response to be snapping back at people, to be irritable, to be angry, to maybe having a a poor way of looking at that. I mean, there's so many different things of how we can react. But his testimony was, I obeyed God. I believed in who he was and in what he said. And so that's my prayer and my hope for all of us is when we think of how do I deal with stress, is that who I am in Christ and the testimony they have in Jesus is not compromised because I'm in the midst of a stressful situation. And what's beautiful to remember is that Jesus himself dealt with stress. And so if you're feeling that way today, high level of stress, you're not alone. Like Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane on the way to the cross, and said he was so stressed really in his prayer of what was to come and the, the, the torture he was about to endure for the sins of all people that he sweated blood. His, his sweat was actual blood. I mean so Jesus can relate to us in our stress. He doesn't leave us alone but he cares for us and he meets us there. And the reason that Jesus went from that place of stress to fulfilling his mission on the cross was to bring peace to every single person. It says the first thing that he said when he was resurrected and appears to his disciples, he says my peace be with you. And this is an invitation that even in a stressed out busy world we can find peace. And so as we wrap up tonight, I would just invite you to stand with me. I want to read a scripture to close from 2 Thessalonians. And as we read this, I just want to take it as a prayer over all of us. That we would find peace in Christ. And one of my favorite things to do in prayer is to just pray the scripture. Because I think it's one of the best ways to guarantee our prayers will be answered. Is we just pray in agreement to something God's already said. So let's read this, 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. So God, we thank you that you are the God of peace. That you came and you died and you brought peace. That we can find peace in you in the midst of our crazy, busy, stressful lives. That we can find rest in knowing that you're faithful. That our confidence is the faithfulness of God. So God, we thank you that you are our peace. We pray that you would give us peace at all times and in every situation. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you walk with us. In Jesus' name.